Have you ever thought about how suffering is a leadership gift? Have you ever connected those two words, suffering and leadership? What I mean by that is that if you suffer without leading yourself through it, you may not suffer well. Every moment of suffering requires you to step up as a leader to lead yourself. When a person is suffering, they must know how to lead themselves through it, or they may become the victims of their suffering. Welcome to the podcast. You are listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. This is episode 258. I want to talk about this idea of suffering and leadership as two gifts, two essential gifts that you need. Now, perhaps you have not connected leadership to suffering. If you have it, I do want you to make the connection, and I trust by the time that I finish this podcast that you will understand these two concepts and how they must be married to each other, because suffering is really the only option that you have. There is not another option. God has called us to walk in the steps of our suffering Savior. You know that, you intuitively know that when you become a believer that you are walking against the culture and there is suffering involved there. But you also know that just living as a fallen person in a fallen world that there will be suffering. It is inescapable. Whether the suffering is something that you have you have caused, excuse me, that you have caused yourself or suffering that has happened to you, even if you were an innocent bystander. I, I brought this subject up in an earlier podcast. I had an interview with Joyce Sade. She's a Lebanese Christian living, well, she's living in the UK at this point, but uh, she has a ministry in Lebanon, and they had a bomb explosion that went off in early August 2020. And during that podcast, I connected these two words of suffering and leadership. That is what I'm thinking about when I say that you could even be an innocent bystander when suffering happens to you. And she was asking me about this idea of suffering and suffering well because a lot of her friends are going through it and they had nothing to do uh, with the bomb, bomb that went off. They were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And that has happened to you, maybe in a lesser extent, probably in a lesser extent. You uh, perhaps haven't experienced the, the trauma and the tragedy of a bomb going off, but you have experienced suffering and you were not the causation of it. So however it happens, here's the big idea. You have to lead yourself through it. Suffering requires a leadership gift. Sometimes folks expect others to do the primary leading. Now, that's not a bad thing. In fact, that is part of what to one another's mean in the New Testament when someone is suffering. The, the picture of the Good Samaritan is a perfect illustration of this point. When someone is suffering, we should be a, a good neighbor. We should be that individual that goes and we step up and lead. When you see a tragedy that happens, you do not want to be the bystander that does not engage this. Everything, as much as depends upon you, you want to step into another person's suffering. But here Here's the thing, the sufferer, 
and I've heard this, you'll hear those who have gone through a hard time, well, they will speak critically about the church, for example, that the church did not come alongside them, or maybe their friends did not communicate the right way or say the right things. It happens. And I have been on the receiving end of poor leadership from the body of Christ during my suffering, but there is a there's a, a weak point here that you could be vulnerable to, that you don't think about you leading yourself through your suffering. And for folks who shift everything to the other side of the table where they expect the leadership to come from the body of Christ while not thinking about their own leadership responsibilities through their suffering, you will hear them talk critically about how someone did not come through for them when they suffered. Now, again, they're probably correct. I mean, I I would say it might be accurate to say 100 times out of 100 that they are correct, that they were not cared for well. We're all weak in that area of knowing exactly what to say or what to do. Some people are more negligent. They just don't care. They're apathetic or they're too busy or whatever it may be. And there's a lot of sufferers that fall through the crack. But the point of this podcast, episode 258, is that we need more in-depth insight to this problem of suffering and leadership. You can't be the person that pushes all the leadership responsibility to the other side of the table and not accept any responsibility yourself. I cannot be that person also. If the only focus is on what others did wrong through your suffering, you may take on the victim's role. And if you take on the victim's role, it could blind you to your responsibility before God during trying seasons. You you can think about it this way. Not only do you need to lead yourself during your season of, of suffering, but that also provides you the training ground for future suffering that other people go through. I mean, if you can't lead yourself through suffering, you're not going to be able to lead others through suffering as well. In fact, part of the problem, part of the reason as to why maybe people did not lead you well through suffering is because they're just like you. They can't lead themselves through suffering. And so we need more in-depth insight because you don't want to take on the victim's role, which would negate or blind you to your responsibility during your trying season. Now, I want to give you three illustrations of what suffering and leadership connected, coupled together, what suffering and leadership look like. And I'm going to use the life of Christ. And I want to give you three different illustrations of suffering to make my point. Because suffering has has many angles. There's many facets to suffering. And the three that I'm going to use are persecution, which is a form of suffering, grief, that is another form of suffering, and rejection. And, of course, rejection is a big form of suffering as well. And so I want to step in to three 
scenarios of Christ that you can find in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can study these out yourself, and I would hope that you would see how Jesus suffered and how he led himself through the suffering. And so persecution, grief, and rejection, and I want to take them in that order. The first one with persecution suffering, Jesus suffered in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know the story. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was the epicenter of suffering. I mean, there was there was a, a target on his back, you could say. It, it seems as though the whole world was after him, wanting to, to kill him. He felt the weight of it. He felt almost buried underneath the suffering as he, he stepped away from his team momentarily and went a little farther, the text says. And, and began to talk to God, talk to his father about this, even asking his father to remove the suffering from him. He did not want to lead himself through the suffering. He felt the pressure of it. And, and I'm not faulting him here. We have done that too. You've gone through a difficult time, and rather than leading yourself through the suffering, dear God, take it away. Isn't that a common prayer? Dear Lord, just make it disappear. I don't want to have to walk through this crucible. And so there we have Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane being persecuted uh, by the enemy as they eventually come to take him away, to, to kill him. But when he came back to his team, his team was napping. His team was not focused his team did not get the point. In fact, Peter pulled out his sword and cut off Malchus's ear. And look what Jesus did in that moment. He had to lead. And I found this to be so true. Many times when you're going through suffering that you have to lead others so that they don't complicate the suffering that you are going through. And so Jesus' suffering in the Garden of Gethsemane, specifically the suffering that I'm talking about, is, is persecution. He had to step up because his, the one anothering from his team was, was not happening. And so Jesus gives us an example in that illustration. So let me ask you a question. How do you lead yourself through persecution? When people are doing things that are unkind and hurtful to you, and you, you feel all alone. You, you, you step away and you talk to God about it. You ask God to, to make the persecution go away. Totally get it. Totally understand. Not criticizing you about that. I've, again, I've done similarly. And then when you look at the body of Christ and you just want someone, someone to, to be with you and your, your team is half of them are asleep and, and then some of them are reacting with sinful anger. They're, they're taking up an offense for you and responding in inappropriate ways as Peter did with, with Malchus. And so you have to step up and you lead. How do you lead yourself through persecution? Another question is, are you more apt to take on the role of a victim or a, a victor? And when I mean victor, I'm talking about I'm specifically Philippians 4, verse number 13, where Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That verse in context, the context is verse 11 and verse 12. Uh, Paul said, it doesn't matter what my situation is. I can, I can have plenty and I can be hungry, hungry. 
and regardless of the spectrum. If I'm full on one end or empty on the other end or, or anywhere in between, it doesn't matter. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so if you are abounding in strength and power, well, you can live humbly and you can do all things through Christ. But if you are now being persecuted and you're on the other end of the spectrum, you should still be a victor in Christ because you can do all things through him. But that is not a passive exercise. Paul said he could do all things. That is an active engagement of the situation, regardless of what the situation is. And so when persecution comes into your life, are you leading yourself well through the persecution? The next scenario that we see here is in John 11. And the particular kind of suffering that requires our leadership is grief. In John 11, Lazarus is dying. You know the text very well. Jesus wept, right? And Mary and Martha come to Jesus, and they are complaining and grumbling. This is another instance where it's like, you know what, people? I'm suffering too. Mary and Martha, you're sad you're suffering. Lazarus was my friend. I'm sad I'm suffering. But somebody has to be the adult in the room. And so while everybody is going through grief, only one of them has the leadership ability to stand up, step up, and lead through that moment. Again, suffering requires, it necessitates a leadership gift. If if Jesus would have just came down to the level of Mary and Martha, that would have been just an awful scenario where now you would have three grumbling Christians, three sinful Christians because of this sickness that leads to death that Lazarus was going through. And so Christ, again, like he did in the Garden of Gethsemane, he just grabbed himself and said, yes, I am suffering, but I have to multitask in this moment because if I don't multitask, well, it's it's not going to end well. And so I can, I can lead. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so Christ led them well. We know that he grieved because of the text, the shortest verse in Scripture, John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept, but he led Mary and Martha through that. Not only that, but because of his leadership in that moment, the pagan world were there, ready to mock, ready to pounce, hoping that he would just slip up for a moment. And it's another reason that you want to make sure that you're leading yourself well through your grief. As people look at you as you are weeping, they need to see your leadership along with your suffering. And so if you don't lead your well, yourself well through suffering, then the mocking and the scorning and and yeah, I, I knew. I, I knew it was all a hoax. They, it, it, it is the, the, the Job wager. D- does he only love you because of what he gets? What, will he love you when things aren't going well? Job needed a better, stronger leadership gift through his grief, too. And so the pagans were looking at him. The Pharisees were looking at this situation as we see, and they were just amazed at the affection and love that Christ had for Lazarus and how he conducted himself in that moment. And so he suffered through persecution at the Garden of Gethsemane. He suffered through grief at Lazarus's 
tomb, and he led himself in both instances. As far as grief is concerned, the question that I I would ask you is, how do you lead yourself during seasons of grief? Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. I am not suggesting that you don't grieve because that would be wrong. Grieving is a a gift that God gives us. And so you do want to grieve. You don't want to be the ditch people, the ditch people living in one or the other, uh, the ditch person that doesn't grieve. He just he just pretends that it's not real. That's not helpful. It's not helpful for your own soul. It's not helpful for those who are around you. You want to be appropriately emotive as Christ was. Jesus wept. And so you do want to grieve. And then in the other ditch, of course, is the person that lives in perpetual grief. They're now six years later, and their grief unattended, grief that is not led well, will turn to bitterness quickly. And so grief has a healing aspect to it. But if you stay in this long, dark tunnel of grief forever, and you don't come out on the other end, you can become a hardened and bitter person. And that is not leading yourself well through suffering. And so my question is, how do you lead yourself through seasons of grief, meaning you do grieve, and it's not wrong to cry, and you want to cry, but you don't cry forever. You lead yourself. And then the third scenario is Jesus suffering through rejection. And so I talked about suffering persecution, suffering grief, and now here is suffering and rejection. The story here is Jesus and the rich young ruler. You know the story well. The person came to, the rich young man came to Jesus, and he really wanted to be on Jesus's team. He wanted to be a part of what what Christ was doing. I mean, who wouldn't? Christ was doing all kinds of miraculous things, and it's like, praise God, I I, want to be with you. And and Jesus had insight into that moment, and, and he said a very hard thing to the rich young ruler, go sell everything that you have and, and come and follow me. And the rich young ruler rejected Christ. I'm talking about suffering in rejection. Suffering, the facet of suffering is rejection. And so he rejected Christ, as we know. He went away. He went away sad because he had a lot of possessions and he did not want to let go of them. Now, perhaps he became a Christian later on. I don't know. That would be an argument from silence because the text does not say. But I do know what happened in that moment. He went away. And this is the part about rejection. Rejection is hard, for many of us. It's too hard for too many of us because we want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want it, we want to be approved. We want people to want us. We want people to, to be around us. We don't want people to reject us, make fun of us, mock us, ridicule us. We don't like any aspect of rejection. It's a part of our human nature, but Rejection is also a part of how we live our lives. The person who wants approval from people, wants acceptance from people, will be vulnerable to those people. You will set yourself up to be manipulated and managed and controlled by those people. If Jesus' God was so small in that moment, 
then the rich young ruler would have been big and powerful and would have dominated him, and Jesus would not have, have done the right thing in that moment. But Jesus led himself through this aspect of suffering, specifically suffering as rejection. And so the question here is, how do you lead yourself when others reject you? The temptation could be to acquiesce. You could acquiesce by giving in to whatever it is that they want. I mean, just replay the tape again. And imagine if Jesus really struggled with this idea of of being rejected. He did not want to be rejected of men. And so what he would do is he would create another way to the cross, another entrance door into heaven. Yeah, you, you can bring all of that. Come on, because I don't want you to reject me. And that is the temptation. And those moments can happen in so subtle ways that we acquiesce by giving in to the manipulation of the other person. Now, you can also go to the other extreme of that, where you're not leading yourself well through rejection, and that's when you look down on other people by making self-righteous judgments because of their decisions or what they are doing. You're way on the other side of the spectrum now. You're not being manipulated by them, but you're looking down on them. When Jesus looked at the rich young ruler, you see his attitude. In fact, if you go to Matthew 23, you see another aspect of people rejecting Christ. And this is the the text where he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how oft I would have gathered you as a hen would gather her chicks, but you would not. In that text, you sense, you feel, you see the heart of the Savior. People who were rejecting him, but he did not self-righteously judge them. He didn't look down on them as though he was something special. He was not managed in either way. He did not acquiesce and give in to what they wanted, but he also did not elevate himself above them and look down on them uncharitably. And so when someone rejects you, how are you leading yourself through it? This is a big deal because our leadership gifts will be proportional or the suffering, how we suffer, will be proportional to our leadership gift. And if we don't understand how to lead ourselves well, then we, we're going to magnify and we're going to make the suffering far worse than what it should be. Now, if you have any questions about this, I would love for you to ask them. We have a free community forum where you can jump on and say, hey, Rick, I want to talk more about this because this is an important deal. I have suffered and I have not suffered well, and and I would love to have a conversation about it because I'm weak in this area. And I do understand that we all are, uh, we struggle with this. This is something that I'm not, I would be interested to know if you have heard any conversation that connected leadership to suffering, uh, because this is something that I personally have, have not heard a lot about. And so if you want to talk about that, we would love to talk to you about it, or perhaps some other question that you may have. And if you uh, 
uh, want to do that, jump on our free community forums, and we'd be glad to engage with you. Uh, someone asked, uh, they have a question here, I'm searching and I'm not finding what I'm looking for. Articles on forgiving your abuser. If you have any, can I please have links? Uh, yeah, we have a topical index page, and what I would encourage you to do is to go to our article page. You'll find it in the navigation bar. You'll also find the word article in a big blue icon right in the middle of our homepage, and it's on most of the other pages as well, I, I think. But if you go in the navigation bar and you look under articles, click it, it will take you to our topical index and our topical index gives all the topics for every article on our website. And there are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of articles. And if you look under uh, the repentance section, you will find the word uh, forgiveness. We also uh, have an entire category on abuse. And so you can look under there, and there are a ton of articles that I have written on abuse. Something else that you can do, I would encourage you to do, is that if you go in the search box... <clears throat> If you go into the search box and you type the word forgive and just type just, just that word and then you'll have a whole slew of articles on the idea of forgiveness. And so those articles are there. And so you can go to the topical index page and you can find them there. You can type in the search box. Or also what I would encourage you to do is to ask your question on our a free community forum. You can do that, and what I would encourage you to do is to flatten it out. If you flatten it out, meaning you don't have to use names, you don't have to use location, you don't have to mention your pastor's name or the church that you attend or anything that would uh, give give away what you are what you're really after. All we need is your story, your circumstance, your situation. And the reason this is important, articles are good. Videos, the podcasts, they are very good, and they will give you a lot of helpful information. But here's the thing, is that each one of us are different. And there is no way that I can write an article where one size fits all. And I have a lot of articles on forgiveness. I write a lot about forgiveness, and I've written a ton about abuse but you have a unique situation. And one of the keys to our ministry is that it is in part a dialogue ministry. And so we want to dialogue with you. And we have a place where we can do that. And there is no cost for you. And so the person who wrote in this question, again, the question, I'm searching and I'm not finding what I'm looking for, articles on forgiving your abuser. I have written on that specifically. And so if you would just write, uh, type in forgiveness, uh, look at the abuse articles, you should be able to find it. But if you're not, jump on our free community forum, and I promise you that uh, someone would, uh, would, um, would respond to you uh, quickly, and we will give you what 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 you need now let me also encourage you and this article uh, this question here about abuse it's a big deal and it's a big problem uh, in our culture including our christian culture uh, i have written a book on how to change change me the ultimate life change handbook and i would encourage you to get that book because it does it does more 
it goes more in depth on the idea of change and it will help you to walk through how whatever area whatever areas that you need to change and there's a couple of article there's a couple of chapters in that book on forgiveness and so it gives you a thorough uh, study on how to change practically speaking and part of that is uh, forgiveness and so you'll also find some help in that book, Change Me. And then the other book that I've written is Suffering Well. Well, based on the question that you are asking here, you are suffering. And by the way, this is what this podcast is about, uh, how to lead yourself through suffering. And one of the books that would help you uh, would be the book Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. Uh, I would assume, based on the question that you're asking, that you have gone through some very difficult uh, times and that you're struggling. And I actually like the fact that you're asking about forgiveness, uh, forgiving your abuser, uh, because that's where you want to be. Maybe your abuser never asked you for forgiveness where you can transact it. Uh, that happens often, but you do not have to be bound or managed by uh, what they did to you. And so you can minimally, you can uh, extend forgiveness attitudinally, though it may never release them from the sins that they have committed. An article that would help you in that area uh, would be the reason I stopped hating my dad. And so if you type in the search box, stop hating, just those two words. What you want to do with your searches is you want to keep them small. And so stopped hate, stopped hating uh, would get you to that article, and I would encourage you to read it. Uh, it will walk through the abuse that my dad uh, perpetrated on me as a youngster and the things that God did in my heart so that I could forgive him. By the way, I forgave him attitudinally, not transactionally, because he died when I was 19. I didn't become a Christian until I was 25, and so there was no forgiveness transacted. Uh, but by God's mercy and grace, he freed me from his abuse through forgiveness. Thank you for asking that question. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.